All right. Hello and welcome. Today is January 5th, 2021. We're out of 2020. This is CISC's soccer podcast. I'm Barry Slagle, and today I'm joined by a good friend, Matt Spear. Matt Spear is the center midfielder, I believe is the title for soccer resilience. Also a former Davidson College soccer player in 18, is it 18 or 19, Matt? Head coach at Davidson College. 18. Yeah. Yeah, so Davidson College has been have been quite lucky. They've had they've had coaches that have been there for a long time, and um, Matt actually played for my father, and I've known Matt for a really long time, and I'm really excited about today's soccer conversation. We'll talk a little bit about you, Matt, and we'll also talk about the the new company uh, that you guys are running that you're a founder of, Soccer Resilience. So I always like to start with the guest of a little bit of background, you know, who you are, where you're from. You're obviously a North Carolina soccer player. Um, how you got to where you are now. So can you, can you give us a little bit of background, how you got started in the game? Yeah, thanks, Barry. And uh, I'm really excited about this. I mean, and listening to some of your podcasts, and I think it's a great idea um, through a tough year to have different avenues, different uses of technology, right, um, for people to learn and connect uh, and, and communicate what they're all about as we all evolve through this perilous time. But um, I grew up uh, about an hour from here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I was the youngest of four siblings and played all sports growing up, not just soccer. And uh, I grew up a few blocks from Wake Forest. So I'm a big Wake Forest Demon Deacon fan. And I was a basketball ball boy and a soccer ball boy and delivered the paper route and the whole thing. So really was a, a campus junkie. And I say that, Barry, because you grew up just a few blocks from Davidson College. And it's great to be a part of a, a college environment. Um, by high school or so, I started to narrow it down to tennis and soccer, soccer always being my favorite overall, and then went to Davidson to play and, and was, would play for your dad. And he also coached one of my older brothers as well, uh, Michael, who played before me at Davidson. And um, I played there in the early 90s, dating myself, but I, I, I was fortunate enough to, to be a captain and a, and a center midfielder um, and a senior on our 1992 Final Four team which is the only Final Four uh, team in the history of Davidson uh, College athletics in all sports. So I've got one thing on Steph Curry. Um, <laughs> he, he, drops, uh, he dropped 62 points the other night. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I did. I did in 30 the next night last night. So a good, a good uh, average for him over two games. But um, he only went to the Elite Eight. But no, Steph Curry is, is such an icon, a hero to me and many that are connected to Davidson and otherwise. But um, – yeah, played for your dad. I loved it. I just can't say enough about being a college student athlete. Um, after I finished my playing career, uh, MLS had not started yet. I was out in 93 and MLS started in 96. And there weren't a lot of opportunities, but I wanted to stay in the game. And um, Barry, your dad, Charlie, really encouraged me to stay in the game. So I started coaching um, right, out of, right out of Planet College. I was helping with the Davidson team as an assistant coach. And um, after a year or two of that, I started to um, find ways I could influence the sport in other ways. And so I, I left coaching full time and went in more into the sports marketing side of soccer. And um, all through the rest of my 20s was involved in projects around television and Internet um, sites, websites for for soccer. And we did. Um, this thing called College Soccer Weekly. It was about 90 college soccer telecast over about a six or seven year period, a mixture of highlight shows and matches of the week and ACC and Big East tournaments. And then the NCAA tournaments was the culmination of it. And it was so much fun. 
Um, I had no idea what I was doing, but uh, I was a coordinating producer and vice president of this group that for the first time was actually uh, celebrating college soccer and, and putting it on the air, um, which it yeah, was. This was this was early 90s too, or I guess mid 90s, mid to late 90s at this point. But yeah, that you guys were actually broadcasting college soccer, men's college soccer games and, and women too, right? Yeah, you know, and it sounds so weird to say it uh, in a high way now because, you know, it's more normal now and the internet's here and, you know, most everything is televised or broadcast in some shape or form. But yeah, back then, you know, before we started, it was the NCAA men's final and I think maybe the women's final on TV and that was it. And so um, it, it was, you know, badly needed and the sport deserves more um, success and promotion and just being a part of building the sport and giving back to the sport has really been kind of a, uh, a personal pledge and, and a mission of my life because the sport has given me so much friendship and travel and, and relationships and, and everything involved. So, um, so yeah, I did all that through my 20s, through the 90s, and the internet kind of broke out, so to speak, in the mid-90s. So we started to do websites to support the broadcast, and the first being a natural fit, which was collegesoccer.com. Then we did womensoccer.com. We did a soccer recruiting website. And um, then we started to expand beyond just our own websites that we were creating and started to consult and manage other websites. So we did the USU Soccer website um, and we did the NSCAA and it's now called United Soccer Coaches website. Um, and all of these projects were funded by Adidas, who's I can't say enough about. And obviously important to, to, to CISC as well as a, as a, as a partner. So um, they've been great supporters, gosh, through my whole career, I feel like. Now, were you, were you a part of internetsoccer.com as well? Is that one of the uh, IP addresses or am I getting that wrong? Nope, you got it right. That was kind of the, the culmination of all of the, the websites that we had created over four or five years stretch. And it ended up kind of everything funneling toward uh, – internetsoccer.com, which was, as you can imagine, about all soccer, men, women, college, pro, international. And um, we, we launched that in 1999. And um, there was nothing really like it. There wasn't a website about the global game. And we had all these other websites that were more niche and kind of focused on various areas, would be women's game or college or recruiting, but everything kind of fed together. Um, kind of like spokes in a wheel around internetsoccer.com. And um, that was an incredible project. Uh, lots of good people involved in that amongst myself and five other co-founders. And we grew that out. And then a, an, an English company called Team Talk out of Leeds, England, uh, acquired that company. And um, after staying with it uh, for the year of transition, I decided to step away and look at what else is in the world. What else do I want to do? I was 30 um, I had started to coach again a little bit at Davidson part-time with your dad um, the last couple of years in my 20s uh, after coaching club soccer, you know, earlier in, the, in my 20s and was starting to kind of feel I wanted to be on the field a bit more. And when your dad moved on to run Ben Castle, um, now NCFC in the Raleigh area, the job opened up. I put my name in the hat and I was fortunate enough to, to get the head coach job at, uh, at Davidson. So um, kind of a 90 degree turn from the business side back full time for the first time into coaching. Yep. Yeah. I remember, I remember the internet soccer.com. Um, some of the other ones, I mean, I remember the soccer broadcast more cause I was ball boying on the sidelines. Right. You know um, but I do remember the internet soccer.com because I remember one of the, 
So Davidson hosted the 92, 93, 94 NCAA Final Four for the men. Um, and then it went to Richmond for a little bit. And then it came back and came back to what was, I guess at the time, it was probably, oh, I forget the name of it. I mean, it's the Bank of America Stadium that the Panthers play out of. But at the time, it was called something else. It was like the Nokia Stadium or something. It was a Swedish cell phone company. I think they had the naming rights to it. But I remember handing out these orange mesh marketing backpacks. You know, it was like me and two of my friends that played for what was at the time North Mech Soccer Club, which then turned into Rapids, which is now one of the founding members of Charlotte Independent Soccer Club. And I remember handing those things out. Um, and then obviously, you know, I, when my dad left Davidson College to, to go run NCFC or what was Castle at the time, uh, and then you step in there and then you had some great success. Obviously, the longevity, you know, I actually had an argument the other day about somebody. It's difficult to get 18 years in college soccer, it seems like. And they pointed to you. And I was like, yeah, well, that's a, that's a good counterexample. Matt was there and had a lot of success at, at Davidson College. So that takes you through Davidson College. And now where you are with, well, I guess you went to Richmond Kickers. So step on that real quick and then explain what soccer resilience is. Yeah, you know, your dad coached at Davidson 21 years, and he probably stayed longer and achieved more than he thought he was going to. And, and I really modeled a lot of my coaching at Davidson um, after your dad and, and being an alum as like, like Charlie, I had a lot of emotional connection to the program that really helps, you know, when you're coaching at your alma mater. And um, I did it to just support him, support the, his legacy and, and continue the program the best I could. Um, had so much fun being a head coach and, and being in college sports and, and not just the athletes and the games that we had. And we were fortunate enough to have some really good wins. I think we had 10 wins over ACC teams and, and had a lot of good players and some moved on to the professional level, but you know, just the kids, they, they graduate on time, they go out and their successes in the world. Um, and then also just being peers with so many great colleagues in college sports, um, both in, in soccer and out of soccer at Davidson. So but, you know, 18 years is kind of a blink of an eye to me now because I was enjoying it and having so much fun. You know, time flies when you're having fun. But, but after 18 years, I started to think again, like, you know, maybe what's next? And I never thought I was going to coach my whole career. I love it. Um, and, and I would gladly do it again. I haven't for the last couple of years. But um, the, the transition to Richmond was – Five of my teammates from the 1992 Final Four team bought the Richmond Kickers, which is a pro soccer team in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, it plays in USL League One, which is third division in the ladder of kind of U.S. soccer, Major League Soccer at the top, obviously, then the USL Championship, then USL League One, and where Richmond is, and USL League Two, where Charlotte Independence has a, has a team, of course. Um, and my friends brought me in to kind of start the new chapter, if you will. The club had been around for a while, so it wasn't a startup, but it needed a lot of work. And uh, spent two years just really rolling up my sleeves in Richmond, um, redoing everything from mission, vision, infrastructure, staffing. Um, ended up bringing in a new coach and a new sporting director, hired about 12 people. And um, the, the club was a bit down, has a storied history. Uh, won the U.S. Open Cup way back in the mid-90s, but in, in recent years it had been struggling a little bit, uh, both on the field and, and in the turnstiles, et cetera. And your dad was actually the first hire. He came up with me there in Richmond, and he did an amazing job. And we were able, I think, with the people on the ground there to start and ignite uh, kind of the next chapter, a new culture for Richmond kickers. And season two was a lot better than season one on the field. Um, they had a great new coach to lead the way and new players, 
and uh, did a couple million dollars worth of stadium improvements to City Stadium, um, a lot more engagement in the community, et cetera. So really happy at that experience, learned a ton. Now um, I've steered back this way to, to, to North Carolina and I've got drawn into this soccer resilience project. Um, it was created this past summer. So we're definitely a startup by two guys, Brad Miller and Wells Thompson. Brad, um, both of those guys like me are from Winston-Salem, so just down the road. Brad was a club teammate of mine with Twin City Twins. And so, you know, it's just neat to, to do a business venture uh, in a movement with someone that you grew up with. I mean, we played club soccer all the way through when we were youth. Um, Brad went on to play at Wake Forest and then um, became a, a psychologist and, and lives out with his wife and two kids in San Diego. Um, Wells is a little bit younger than me, also from Winston-Salem, went to the same high school as me, and then went to play at Wake Forest as well, and uh, had an incredible career, um, and ended up being the fifth pick in the MLS draft, and was nine-year pro, MLS Cup champion, and so joining those guys has been just really, really fun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Wells is, I mean, just anybody that's in soccer knows this, and I'm sure it's true in other professions as well. Um, but I'm pretty sure Wells is an 83 as well. And uh, he played for Winston-Salem Twins, which I believe is where you played for, where Brad played for. Like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, I played for North Mech, which eventually became Carolina Rapids. But, yeah, we used to play against Wells um, when, when we were growing up. And it's, the, those stories happen all the time. You never know. And I, I don't know. I think, I think that's important for, for kids as they're, as they're growing to understand that you're going to be crossing paths with these people, particularly if you do something like, club soccer you do something like college soccer uh, and if you then continue to work into those avenues that these relationships are going to stick with you for a long time and then here's a perfect example with with you and some Winston-Salem soccer players that you grew up with or grew up in the same area yeah no you're right I mean it's it's there's so many experiences you have when you play a sport with somebody and you're going on these road trips and staying in hotels and, and a lot of it's off the field right just the laughing and you know, getting, going and getting pizza after the game or being in a tournament in another city or what have you. And um, there, there's so much joy, I think, beyond just the game. And I, and I love the sport of soccer, don't get me wrong, but I, I see it as a much larger vehicle uh, for enrichment, for well-being, for family, um, for community. Uh, it, it's such a driver. So whatever sport one does or whatever activity one does, the more you pour yourself into it, the more you get out of it. And, um, but yeah, you know, rejoining with these guys, they started to kind of pick my brain and just want some feedback on, on what they were creating and building. And I just decided once I finished my Richmond kickers role at the end of the season in late October, um, they put out an invite to me in November and I, and I joined them. So one of the co-founders, um, with those two guys and, you know, we all have our stories of getting through 2020 and the pandemic and COVID and, gosh, the election and all the other stress, the recession, everything's gone into uh, just the world being turned upside down. And each person, honestly, for at least I speak for myself, being turned inside out. For me, the, the, the psychology, mindset, well-being uh, really started to become more important this year. And I'll even track back a little bit during my career, both as a player and as a coach and leading a pro team and, and, and leading organizations I've always been really big on lifestyle, mindset, work-life balance, et cetera. I feel like that's a winning way. I think it's an edge to recruit the best people, to identify really good people, uh, to develop and grow them. So 
you know, long story short, we're really focused on everything I just said, which is basically making sure players, coaches, parents, staff that are involved in soccer, that their well-being is the first really important piece. Um, it's nothing to take away from tactics and technique and athleticism. Those are all part of it as well. But I feel like the psychology and the mental game, the emotional well-being has gotten a little bit short shrift over the years. And I feel like we need to maybe put the cart before the horse, so to speak, and realize that through this year um, and removing the stigma around mental health and recognizing that our performance and our emotions, our attitude our waterfall down from our brain first. And so if your mental game is off, everything else is not going to succeed. And so, you know, our tagline is train your brain, transform your game. So we do have a focus on enhancing one's soccer capacity, both as a player and a coach and a parent and as a club. But we really emphasize that the, the mental game must become more of a priority. And so we have programming and tools and training to get there. Yeah. I mean, the, the tagline's great. So whoever came up with that, kudos to them because there's two things that I think are just fantastic in it, right? One is that waterfall analogy that you used, you know, what your brain is thinking is what your body's going to be doing. Um, and then the second piece that I like about it is the fact that, Hey, your, your brain is a muscle, right? You can train it. There is a method in order to be able to achieve the success or at least the improvement of the progression, right? And maybe that's even a piece as well. You know, you can control the progression. You can't necessarily control the outcome when you're doing these types of things. And you are a partner or soccer resilience is a partner with the club. Um, can you talk a little bit about the different avenues, how you guys have already incorporated the soccer resilience mindset or the soccer resilience process platform into what Charlotte independent soccer is doing? Yeah, um, and, I, and I, I must, you know, express my gratitude to the club and to Thomas Finley at the top and then just the, the coaching directors, you know, yourself and Greg Ashton and, and Rusty Scarborough and Jeff Billick and Bradley Morrison and, and folks like that, Dave Carton, that have allowed us this access to players, coaches, families. Um, it's cutting edge. It's, it's, it's really flagship and to me that I think it's going to uh, spread quickly. Um, so kudos to you guys to seeing the value of it. Um, there's a couple of different things that we're doing so far at the club, and we'll grow that after this first phase. Um, the first uh, element is working directly with the players. So um, the club has picked 30 teams, boys and girls teams, and we do four Zoom sessions um, over about a three- or four-month period, and we're probably in the middle of that right now. Some of the groups are getting their, their third session right now, and some are getting ready to get their fourth session. And in those four Zoom sessions with the teams, and the coaches often join those as well. They don't have to, but if they have time and are able, they join the sessions as well. But it's really the founders speaking directly to the players and speaking with the players. And um, kind of quick uh, kind of sequence of it. The first one, we have, we have four pillars. And so we go through these pillars through these four phases. And the first one, the first pillar and the first presentation is really about taking control. Um, realizing that, as you said, Barry, that the brain is a muscle and that everything flows down from the brain and that you can control it. And one of the big things that we talk about is um, in, in session number two, we focus on the breathing aspect of it, is that if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, 
Try to slow your breath down and take deep breaths. And that is a great calming influence. It's a great centering influence because um, we all get kind of anxious at times. And, and that's just one of many tools that you can do. Another level that we'll really focus on through kind of presentation number three is we get into finding your purpose. So we ask the players, why do you play soccer? And it's, it's this really interesting pause. We say, all right, use the chat, type in why you play. And it, the answers are great. They're brilliant. And I think we don't do enough of that. Why do you coach, Barry? Why do you, why do you be a parent? Why do you work where you do? Um, so finding your why and, and, and then establishing that identity around that purpose is extremely powerful because the next level is you can be more, yet you, you will have more perseverance through setbacks, all right, and losses and failures and mistakes because they're all going to happen. Life is, is a constant churn of mistakes. But if you have a purpose and you've taken control of your, of your mind, you can get through those things and be better because of it. And then the fourth piece and the fourth um, um, part of the pillar, uh, the four pillars and the fourth presentation is really about how all this enhances your performance. And so if you develop the right mindset, you're resilient, you're positive, you're constructive, you have your purpose, you're going to be able to have a great week of training mentally, physically, technically, tactically, and that is going to highlight come game time. Because we as coaches and leaders and parents, we want our players, since it's a player's game, to make really good, confident, clear decisions and go with that and have some freedom of creativity to somewhat improvise under our structure that we give as coaches and parents and club. But mistakes happen all the time on the field, how quickly they can respond. They go on to the next play. And, and the best teams can do that because they have an identity that's built around resilience and grit. Yeah, I want to jump in um, right there. It's, it's a little, little off the one, two, three, four, but it's, it's related to that. Mistakes happen all the time, and how do you bounce back? Uh, I just watched earlier today, prepping for this, I watched Brad's video, um, and basically the idea is, hey, us as, as biological creatures, our brains are hardwired to, ex, uh, to think about the mistakes, right? We, we spend more brain energy or more thought, more calories expended to be thinking about what could go wrong, and a lot of times that can create indecisiveness. Right. And then I'm thinking about this. And I'm like, hey, I wonder how I'm going to use that as a coach for one of the two teams, three teams that I coach. And basically what I'm thinking about with it, and I would love to just get a quick thought from you, is twofold. Right? It's, hey, let's focus on the things that we want to do. We understand that your brain's going to tell you all the things that could go wrong, but how do we focus on the things that you want to do? So if you're forward, how do we find a way to get that shot off? doesn't matter if you could possibly take a bad touch. doesn't matter if the guy could possibly defend you but your job is how do I find a shot? So can you think about that? And then the second part, and I think Brad mentions it uh, really well, is you know, you're going to make a mistake. And when you do make a mistake, you don't need to be thinking about the mistake. You need to be thinking about what you can do next. Can you sprint hard to win that ball back? Can you work hard to be a better teammate, help your team? And I thought that was good for the player. And I also thought it was great for the coach. You know, I look at it from the coaching perspective because that's what I currently do. I don't play anymore. I play some adult league, but I don't know if you could consider that actually playing. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I, I thought that part was very, very good for anybody that was listening to it. If you listen to it with an open mind and you say, what do I see here? What can I take from it? So yeah, let's just jump into that real quick. You know, how do you, how do you use negativity or what, what's the thought on negativity or how your brain sort of focuses on the, the possible negative outcomes and how does soccer resilience encourage a player to possibly use that or grow from that? 
Yeah, Barry, um, thanks for, for listening and, and, and kind of learning from that talk. And just for others, if they're curious what you're talking about is um, we do a, a weekly newsletter. It includes a video. It comes out every Monday. Um, people can sign up for the newsletter at the website, soccerresilience.com. And the good thing about the newsletter is not only does it include the video, it includes several really good links of things that we find and capture. We think it's really important for players, coaches, and parents and club administrators to consider. So the newsletter is great to deliver to your, your inbox on Monday morning. And you can read it. You can unsubscribe, whatever. And then with the video, it's also on our YouTube channel. You can find that at Soccer Resilience on YouTube. And that has all of our past videos as well. And what we've been doing to date is Brad, Dr. Miller, Wells Thompson, MLS champion, and myself have been rotating every week and doing a different video. Um, my, my one next week I've already, already done. It'll be about 2021 intentions for players, coaches, and parents. But Brad's video and his message that you talked about is really good. And he's a psychologist. He has studied this. And I am just absorbing so much right now from Brad and what I'm reading about psychology and the world that we're in. But you're right. The brain is hardwired to go toward defensive and negative thoughts. And that's to protect us, protect us. Um, because you know, you're driving down the street and you don't even think you're thinking this, but you're worried about the car coming out or the car behind you or the dog running out or the stoplight or whatever it is. So your brain's constantly trying to keep you safe and keep you on in between these guardrails, but there's influences all along the way. So that's part of it. The other part of it is the brain doesn't want bad emotions. So it's protecting itself from sadness and embarrassment and disappointment. And so it's always thinking very defensive and negative. And some science studies have said we have up to 60,000 thoughts a day and up to 80% of them are negative or defensive. And so that can be really hard to, to handle because you're on your, you're on the edge, you know, you're, you're worried all the time. And so that's where that breathing comes in to calm and slow the breathing down to get your mind back and steering in the right direction. And it can be positive and constructive and enthusiastic along that way. Um, as a player, gosh, there's countless examples, right? The, the one that jumps to, to mind outside of soccer is Steph Curry. I mean, the guy can go 0 for 7 in the first quarter. It doesn't bother him. Eight shots going up, no hesitation, because he knows he can go on a seven-shot sequence to make seven in a row. And so I think you said that, that thing that Brad said, which is next play. Um, whatever your mantra is, just go on to the next play. In a forward, a striker in the game, he or she may only have three or four solid chances in the game, and you can't let those three misses influence the fourth one in the 90th minute that could win the game, win the tournament, win the championship. So you've got to have a short memory. You've got to be able to push on really, really quickly. I think about um, a winger, an outside mid, or whatever – for the, the wing back, whatever the formation the team is playing is he or she's got to have confidence to take that player on in a one-on-one -on -one situation where they're always cutting the ball back and then they're not really an influence to get in behind. And so you got to believe in yourself. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. Uh, and move on very quickly. So I think it's, it's having short memory, so to yep. speak, uh, as an athlete. And the same thing, what is the coach's reaction to mistakes? Is, it's absolutely critical you know, one of the, the greatest things that a coach could do is have someone film him or her while he or she is coaching, or you can't do that, have a peer watch you and find out what your reactions are when a player makes a mistake. And we all put our head, you know, our hands on our head, or we, 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 we swear, whatever it is in a bad play. 
And we've got to be conscious of that because we are emanating that energy to everybody on the bench, everybody on the field and everybody in the stands. And so there was a great moment yesterday uh, in the Southampton Liverpool game when Southampton scored the goal early in the game on the set piece, third minute of the game. And they showed the replay of Jurgen Klopp and he just smiled and he just said, wow, that was a great goal. You could see, you could just see the wheels turning, but he's also thinking we got 88 minutes to get it back. And I'm not going to worry about that. Now they didn't get a tying goal, but he was not the guy that's going to be just staying in that moment. He's moving on really quickly. And in a way it's almost applauding the goal because he has an appreciation for the beauty of that, of that play, even though it's against his team. And so I think it goes to something else I'll say, Barry, is like we need to find joy in the game and not just our ego and our team and our club and even the results. And uh, especially in this day and age with what's all been going on in the world, I don't need to repeat the, the negative things that have happened around the world. We all know what they have and the fear they're in. Let's celebrate the goodness of soccer and being outside and competing and, and win or lose, man. We're pretty darn lucky right now to be, to be doing that. Yeah, Thomas had mentioned something to the staff. Um, essentially, just he was doing some feedback and getting feedback from different parents to different teams, and he was he was pleasantly surprised that a lot of the feedback that we got back from running a season in the fall was, "Thank you," you know, yeah. like, "Wow, we our kids got to play soccer." You know, we we went a few months, schools, etc. You know, things got shut down, and we still found a way in a safe environment under protocols to able to be able to offer you know, physical fitness, um, social skills, just being outside. You know, I think that's one of the real big benefits of soccer and other outdoor sports. I think there's something to being outdoors, not that you can't get a great workout in and get a lot of positives from playing basketball or something like that, but being outside, being with friends, being in a structured environment, getting physical fitness. And, you know, just another thing you train, you get better. You know, that's, that's something I think humans crave is the ability to, to, try something and improve at something when they stick to it. And it's a good life lesson too, because we all know life can get really complicated um, and the game can be sort of a short-term look at, Hey, you know, this is sort of how you want to build your life. You know, you work hard and you progress, good things can happen and you can improve and get better at what you're trying to do. Um, I'm getting a little off course here, but those are all the things that I'm thinking about when you're talking about it. I wanted to, to flag something or mention something that I was thinking about as you're talking I was talking about what can the player take from that video that, that Brad did? What, what can the coach do from take from the video that Brad did? But I should be, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention most of that video is for parents. The video is completely set up to, Hey, your kid obviously at times struggles with confidence. And here is an action plan, an actual thing you can do with your player to show them, Hey, people make mistakes all the time. Watch a program, sit down. Here's a game you can play with your son or your daughter to count mistakes and then here's some talking points with your son or daughter to basically explain why are you so worried about mistakes this is a team that plays at the highest level professionally and they're making the same mistakes or the number of mistakes uh at a, at a high frequency you know and i think that's fantastic and i think that's one of the things i've been interested in with soccer resilience is it's not just a platform for the player it's not just a platform for the coach it's uh, also a pr- platform for the parent you know, and it just sort of ties these things together. And I think that's an interesting uh, attempt and, and, and process that soccer resilience is trying to take on. And it probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it probably has to do with the fact that everybody's got a brain and everybody's brain can perform better. Let's find a way to increase the well-being of, of the individual, whether that be the player, the coach, the parent. 
Yeah, gosh, you said so much good stuff there, Barry. And, and I think uh, I, I concur all across the board. And I think that parents, you know, it, it's a it's a tough job and it's a, it's an evolving role. Um, I would say a few things I think that parents need to make sure they think about. One is themselves. You know, I, I'm really focused on making sure parents and coaches and staff members um, take care of themselves um, because you can't be a good parent or a coach or an administrator if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not, if your mindset and your health uh, are not in a good level, it's going to be very challenging for you to deliver proper modeling and, and be there for your kids. So, so make sure you focus on yourself. And when I, when I've spoken with the, the, the Charlotte independent soccer club coaches, I've really emphasized that in the first zoom we call zoom call we had is, you know, think about yourself and, and are you sleeping? Are you hydrating? Are you eating? Are you sleep? All these things that go into self care and if you need some help, ask for it and, and, and share with colleagues or peers or mentors or um, family, what have you. So we open up a little bit and, and parents, the same thing. They, 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 need, they need to make sure they're taking care of themselves and, and the kids will follow that. Kids are, they're sponges and they're looking around. What's my parent doing and how, how is he or she responding to this, these new times? And, and so um, I think also a parenting you know, one thing that we, we've done, and it, the, the shift is happening a little bit, but people my age and a little bit your age, more my age and older, as parenting, we probably, uh, you know, the, the participation trophy and uh, saying good job for just normal stuff and, um, you know, almost coddling a kid to some degree. I think that you have to be careful about that. Even in a tough time right now, we need to let the kids have some of the experience and realize that they can get through this if they're resilient. So if they're learning these skills and they have a purpose and they have people around them, um, they can get through these challenges and these setbacks. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a shared process for sure with parents taking care of themselves, modeling well, and, and the kids uh, opening up and, and being true to themselves too. Yeah, I think the best version of yourself will allow you to best take care or help others, right? You know, and I think that's important. Um, and I think that's part of what soccer resilience is doing. And that's kind of where I want to, I want to take it with one last piece here, Matt. Um, parent education, right? And there's obviously the soccer part. Can we teach them about the game? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why does, why does Charlotte independent soccer club use a play practice play model? You know, for, for somebody that might not be as informed, they look out there and they say, well, it looks like they're just playing a whole lot, you know? Um, and yeah, we are playing a whole lot, but there's a, there's a reason why we're playing a whole lot. Um, or maybe the parent education piece could be like about the well-being and the wellness that, that we've been touching on this whole time, right? Or maybe the the it could be the parent education piece on particular strategies. But I just kind of want to open up the floor, and you can you can use it for the coach as well. You can do it. You can take it however you want. But I would love to hear maybe just if you were going to do a parent education piece, if you were going to do a coach education piece, can you hit on a topic that soccer resilience or this well-being would, would help our staff that are listening, that would help our parents that are listening? There's plenty of avenues you can go. And I'm just interested to hear what, what you would say. Yeah, you know, I'm a parent like you, Barry, and it's, it's basically impossible as a parent to be completely objective about your kid. So that's, that's just a baseline. We know that <laughs> we're going to be subjective. We're going to watch from the sideline and we're going to think our kid's great. We're going to think our kid deserves more playing time. And I, and I get all that. That's, that's, that's part of it. If we can try to backtrack a little bit 
and look at the experience as a way to grow and the way to be around like-minded people. Um, I think that's more the adventure that I'm more interested in. Um, I think the club, from what I gather, uh, does an incredible job on the soccer side. And I think when we talk about well-being and a holistic approach, um, just bringing on soccer resilience to do this service for the club and grow it from where we are now to, to another level amplifies that the club does care about the whole person. It does care about the family. Um, it does. Uh, it was very good about the protocol. I was super impressed by you know what you and Chad Metzler and others wrote up and how you handled it and, and tried to to do it in a safe, responsible way. Um, but to get outside, as you said before, to be around each other, to 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 work on your craft. A lot of the players, you know, the interesting thing about it, if you ask players why they play, you might not always get the answer that you thought. Um, it might just be, they want to be with friends, you know, and that's not a gender thing. Girls more than boys, boys love just being out with their guys. And the, the second thing might be, I just want to like, compete. all my, all my best play, all my best friends are soccer players that I played with it's just how it is. <laughs> you know, and I think the, the winning part of it and want to play college soccer and being a pro might be a little more on the parent side than the kid side. And so I think just making sure we put the kid first, the youth first and, um, you know, I, I think resilience and, you know, there's many psychologists and studies that say that resilience is the number one separating factor for people to be successful in life and to be happy in life. Um, and, and those two things can go together. Um, and you can put happiness and joy in front of success and achievement. That's fine. They both go hand in hand in me. I think it's what we're really trying to emphasize is for people to be self-aware, to, to listen to their mind, listen to their heart, uh, find their purpose, find their why, um, develop tools and strategies to, to get through setbacks, um, and then they'll, they'll perform better, and they'll be happier as a result. Uh, so it's a process. I mean, I all the founders, we keep kidding ourselves, like, we wish we had this when we were a player. We wish we had this when we were a coach. And, um, you know, a lot of times when I talk to coaches or players or parents, you know, I just stop and just pause and go, how are you? and let them tell me how they're doing. And then I can start to process my response to try to be of some service to them. And, and that's really kind of my mission right now is to help people through this uh, incredibly challenging but transformational time that we are in in a civilization and in a, in, in a culture. And the sport, it can be a massive uh, you know, vessel to really make us better as people, make us better as an organization, make us better as a club, better as a town, a city, a region. I just think that the power of soccer has never been more important. Yeah, I love that. Soccer, soccer can, can do great things. Um, and it's important to recognize whether you're a parent or player or a coach, you know, hey, there's, this is a great thing that we're doing and how do we make the most of it? And, of course, we want to compete and get better and, and win games. But, you know, can we also recognize the positive that it brings to it? Um, and like you said, that's a lot of mindset, you know, that's a lot of whether it's resilience or just understanding and anytime that we can bring attention to it. And I think that's a lot of what you guys are doing. And when I listen to you talk or watch one of the videos or I read one of the articles that you guys have linked in the newsletter, uh, I always tend to find a, a good piece. So this is an open invitation, Matt. I'd love to have you or anyone else from Soccer Resilience on. Um, I, think, I think this is more than one conversation this was sort of a broad sweep of kind of what you guys do and, and what the plan is. And I think uh, we can have this conversation more. So first and foremost, thanks for being on and 
I'll let you sign us off. Yeah, thanks, Barry. Thanks for those that did listen. And um, it, it's a journey for us as well. And, and we're incredibly invigorated, uh, for lack of a better word, to be involved with the club. Um, I just know so many great people at the club because I've lived here for most of my life, all of my life, basically in North Carolina, and most of it in this kind of Charlotte, Lake Norman area. Um, you know, many of the kids came to the soccer camps that I helped direct over at Davidson. Many of the families I see around town, et cetera, I live here, I'm local. Um, and, and I'm a resource, as I've told the coaches with, with Charlotte Independence, if they want to meet for a coffee at Summit out back in the back deck and talk about resilience and life and, and coaching and soccer, I'm there for, for you and the club. And, um, you know, Barry, last thing I'll say is I applaud you for doing this podcast. It's a great vehicle and exercise for you. I know you need it. And I um, also want to say thanks to, to you for our friendship. It, it's, it's been going on your whole life and it's going to continue. And I, and I appreciate the, the time with you as always. Yeah, thank you, Matt.